You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Welcome to 2022. Uh, Hopefully 2022 is better than the last two years. I'm very filled with faith. Um, It's cool to be on the other side of 2021. And I'm honored to be up here on the very first Sunday of 2022. Um, Hopefully I set the tone well. Uh, My wife and I, we've been, we just bought a house recently. And so we've been working nonstop on it. So I'm exhausted. And so I'm also, the means by being exhausted means I'm, I'm more emotional than even Pastor Tony. So uh, I've probably cried like six or seven times during worship. And so I hope I can get through this message. So give me a little bit of grace this morning um, as we go through. But I really do believe um, that God is, has a word for, for you and for us as a collective body. And so we're just gonna, we're gonna dive in. I, I don't have anything to offer you, to be honest. Um, I'm just a, just a guy and I want to point us to what really the, where the value is and it's, it's in God's word and in the person of Jesus. And so we're going to go after it this morning because that's what's going to change our life. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive in. God, we thank you so much for how you have loved LifePoint Church. God, how you've loved each and every one of us. Lord, we're here this morning because of your love. And so, Lord, we thank you. And God, we thank you for this new year and the tone that you are going to set. Lord, we let you lead the way. Lord, we let you set the path. We don't want to blaze it ourselves. And so, Lord, we follow you into this new year, thanking you for your love, thanking you for your kindness and your intentionality towards us. And so, Lord, as we step into this year, God, would you um, continue to speak to us as a church? Would you continue to grow us as a church and as individuals? Lord, I thank you for everything you're going to do this year. Lord, for the revelation that you're going you're gonna to give to people's hearts. Lord, for the salvations that are going to come into this house, into this family. And Lord, for the love that's going to be poured out in the city of Ames. Would we be your conduits in Jesus' name? Amen already crying. I don't know how that, how that happens so fast. Um, I think it's the, the less than eight hours of sleep for like ever. So, and having a young son. Um, so going into my senior year I, uh, of college, I graduated college in 2016. I had just completed an internship at an oil refinery. And I, I came out of that internship working what was basically 10-hour days, um, tasting, a, you know, just getting a taste of what, what true uh, work-life grind is like. And um, I knew that college life was bliss, but then after that summer, I really knew how, how blissful college life was. And so I moved back to Ames, and I was so excited because I knew I had one year left. I had 11 credits per semester, so then I take a gym class each semester to get to 12. So it was going to be cush. Like, it was going to be a great year. And on top of it, this is my fourth year on campus. Like, I'm kind of the big man on campus now. I'm not physically big, but I was like, you know, I had, I had some confidence stepping back onto the scene, and I had friends. I, had, I was part of Chi Alpha for three years at that point, and so I was so excited to, to come back to my, old, my, my friends, some of the deepest relationships I ever had. And I remember coming back, and my wife Katie was there. She was a part of our friend circle. And uh, I had part of Chi Alpha at the time. And we just started hanging out every night, like when we got, when we got back before the school year. And I remember one night, it was a, it was a warm August night, but it rained just like nonstop. And Joe, uh, Joe, was, Joe was there. And so he'll remember this, but it rained all stop, uh, nonstop all night. 
and we were hanging out at someone's apartment and we had this bright idea around 11 p.m. that like, hey, let's just like make the most of it. And so, you know, we didn't have responsibilities then. Like I didn't have to find a babysitter. I, uh, we just hopped in our cars and we drove to Peterson Pitts and that's on the north, northeast side of town. I hadn't been there before and it was, it just stopped raining but it was still stormy. Like you could hear the thunder. There was more lightning than I can ever remember in any storm. Just like constantly lightning. So we got to Peterson Pitts and we, it was like 11 o'clock at night, August, warm summer night and you couldn't see anything. It was dark except for the strobing of the light, of lightning. And so you get these like flashes of like, oh, there's my friends. Oh, there's a car. Oh, there's a tree. You know, it strobe along the way. And we decided that since it was, we, like, it was already wet outside and we were bored and we didn't know what to do, we were all just going to run in our, like, in our jeans and in our shirts, uh, in our shoes, just run into the Peterson pits and go for a swim. And so we ran out there. We sprinted out there. In the middle of this lightning storm, we all jumped in. I remember like running as fast as I could, getting my head under the water, standing up again, like my normal street clothes, soaking wet, like probably not a good idea in a lightning storm, looking around all like, and not all my friends were there. There were several that weren't there yet, but there were many that were there that night and going, man, like this is community. This is so much fun. I love my friends. And that kind of night, that like uh, night of like a spontaneity and friendship and just like fun really kind of set the tone for that whole year. And what I experienced at Chi Alpha that year was, was, was uh, one of deep level of friendship. I kind of have like these three gauges in my mind of what community should look like. Deep level of friendship, deep level of connection. There was spiritual fruitfulness. Like people were coming to know Jesus. And yeah, I had my own issues and there were certain things that I looking back now, I should have worked through my senior year. But like people were coming to know Jesus amongst, amongst us and there was unity. Like there was, there was never really a sense of disunity. Like it was a great time to be in community. And I, as a pastor's kid, I grew up going from uh, different communities as my pastor, my dad, as a pastor was called from place to place. And so I got to see a wide variety of churches, some that were very fruitful, but had very little uh, connection. Some that had great connection, but were like, there was a lot of disunity. I kind of saw the gambit of it all. And the closest I ever got to what I experienced in Chi Alpha was the church right before I came to, to Iowa or came to Iowa State in Esterville. It was a great church. But coming here, what I experienced at Chi Alpha was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. I tasted what the family of God is supposed to be like. I tasted what community was supposed to be like. And I loved it. Like, it, it was amazing. And plus, I didn't have any responsibilities. So it was awesome. And then I graduated, and I, I, knew, I knew it was coming, and so I tried to live it up as much as I could. I graduated. I, moved, I had three, uh, two months before I had to start my full-time job, so I lived it up again. I went on, like, so many trips that summer. And I, then I went, and I, I participated in a church. It was actually a Kyle church for about six or seven months, and unfortunately, it closed uh, due to some financial reasons. And so it was kind of sad to see this community that I moved, when I moved to Minnesota, that I decided to be a part of, kind of evaporate from my eyes. So then I went to a different church. And I was there until Katie and I got married. And then we went to a, another church. We were there for two years before we came back here. And those churches were all amazing. Like, I loved them. I had great pastors. Like, I received so much revelation there. I had super good friendships. But nothing quite like what I experienced in Kyle for my senior year. Nothing quite like what I experienced in my college years. And then we were invited to come back in August of 2020 by Pastor Drew to be part of Chi Alpha, which is in partnership with LifePoint Church. And uh, what we stepped back into, man, this is sweet. It's all different now. Uh, Katie and I have two kids. We, like, we, we own a home. Our friends have kids. We're married. We have responsibilities, work jobs. But what is here is so similar, and it's been so amazing to be a part of. The community that is, a, that is LifePoint Church, the spiritual home, the spiritual family that is LifePoint Church, is so unique. It is so special. 
It's wonderful. I've gone from church to church in my life, not because I was, we wanted to go from church to church, just the way that the Lord worked it out. And I know what home feels like. And this feels like home. I've gone from place to place and I know what family feels like. And this feels like family. And undergirded by all of this in our community is this like, like this, this, this almost tangible hunger for the presence of God. Like we all saw what just happened right before I got up here. I didn't even need to come up here. Like that could have been the end of the service because people were responding to the presence of God. There's a hunger in this place. What God is doing is so unique and so special. And before I go on, I want you to know if you're new or you've been a part of LifePoint for just a small period of time or maybe you're brand new this morning, there is room in this community for you. There's room in this family for you. There's actually this like symbolic, it's called the marriage supper of the lamb that happens at the end of the age where the church has a feast with, with Jesus, like our bridegroom, and then we, we feast at a table. And so we use this phrase a lot. There is room at the table for you. We want you here. It's an infinitely long table and you have a space. And so what's happening in this place, you can have access to. And it is, it is wonderful. It is unique. What we're experiencing is not normal church. It's not the typical what you find out. And that's not a, saying that from a place of pride, like we're on to something here. No, what God is doing is, is, is unique. And this uniqueness and this special moment is what gives me pause. It's what kind of puts a check in my spirit. Because it's often in these moments, in these early moments of a move of God, in the beginnings of what God is laying in a credible foundation that many churches have faltered and even failed. It's at this moment where people have come to church and been a part of a community and have let themselves and the community as a whole slip into a place of spiritual apathy and decay. We are at a critical juncture as a church. This is not supposed to be so stark, so I apologize. But we, like this, I believe 2022, this is like the year where we, this is one of the most critical years for us as a spiritual family. Because it's in these kind of moments that churches often will grow spiritually apathetic in their prayer closets. It's often that churches will become exclusive social clubs and not let anyone else in. They'll stop caring to see their neighbor encounter Jesus and they shy away from the risks that God will inevitably call each and every one of us to. And my hope and prayer is that LifePoint Church, my own spiritual family, would take the uncommon path. My prayer and my hope this morning and the point of this whole message is that we would go down the uncommon path and continue down what God is doing already here. To not slip into spiritual apathy, but to keep leaning forward into what God is doing here. So what do we do at this critical juncture? What practically does this look like to continue and continue allow what God is doing here to keep on going? And I do want to say, we have a part to play. Romans 4, it talks about how Abraham was credited, his faith was credited in righteousness, right? So there's this righteousness, like there's this free gift of salvation we all get, it's free, but there's a part it's called faith that we have to play. So there's a part that we have to play in terms of our community continuing to move forward, continuing to grow. God will do the work. 99.999% he will do. But there's a small piece that we must play. And so a couple of months ago, I was reading in the book of Hebrews and I feel like this verse, which I had read, read dozens of times, leapt off the page. And I, hopefully I feel like it's, it's fitting for all of us as a body. It's fitting for us as a church in terms of what we should lean into at this critical juncture in this critical moment. Man, I'm really crying a lot. Thanks, Bryce. <laughs> I told you I'm exhausted. Our heat went out last night, so it's also like on top of everything, you know, we're just like, <laughs> how does this get worse? Um, it does, but it's good. 
The Lord's good. We're, we're, uh, this is like, this moment is the turning point for our, for our family. So we're really excited. So we're going to turn to Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. This is going to be our guiding verse for this morning. And this is the verse that I want us as a community to measure ourselves against. We're going to ask a series of questions and measure ourselves against this verse, this biblical truth, in terms of how we want God to keep moving us forward. God will keep us moving us forward, but we have a part to play. And this is the part we're going to play. It's remarkably simple. Many of you have probably heard this or read this before, but I'll, I'll read it like this. It's going to be on the screen behind me if you don't have your own Bible. It says this, For God is not unjust... That's good. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you've shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. A great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So did you catch it? What's well, right there in the middle of that? In verse 10, the author of Hebrews is admonishing. He's encouraging this, the, 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 the people he's writing to. And he's saying, way to go. Like God's, God's not unjust. He will reward you for the good things you've done. He's seen how you've showed your love towards him by loving others. Isn't that crazy? We show God, that we love God by loving others. He says, way to go. You did, you did a great job. But our desire is that you will keep on doing this as long as life lasts. So this call to love each other, which, which the author of Hebrews says, you've done a great job of so far. And I would say life point, man, we've done a good job. Like we're at a good point. Like 2021 was a good year. We've done a pretty good job. But then there's this call to continue to love one another as long as life lasts. And then it says in verse 12, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. There's an if-then statement. If you're an engineer, you've ever done any, any like sort of coding, there's an if-then statement there. If we continue to love each other, as long as life lasts, then we will not grow spiritually dull and indifferent. And so you can kind of draw the inverse of that, right? He's saying, if we choose to not love each other the way that we should, we will grow dull and spiritually indifferent. And this, is, this concept of loving one another, like this is actually all over, like it's, it's so critical to our salvation. It's, it's, it's wildly critical to our faith in Jesus. And the half of the book of first John is written on this. It's just like, how can the light of God even be in you if you do not love a, you do not love a brother? Like all of the, uh, like uh, the narrative of New Testament scripture all talks about loving one another well. Even Jesus, he gave a command in the book of John saying, uh, this is a new command I give to you. Love each other just as I have loved you. This is an incredibly important thing. We cannot move past the simple call to love each other well. And so this morning, I want us to ask a few questions to ourselves and measuring ourselves to the truth of God's word and whether we are conforming to it well or not. So what's the first one? It's kind of two parts, so I cheated. It says this, all right, the first question I have for us is how, like practically, how, are we loving others? How are we loving others? Are we going, and you can talk about like the word love, right? First Corinthians 13, we could preach that whole thing forever and ever, and I'm not gonna do that. But I'm gonna break this into two parts. Are we loving generously and are we loving intentionally? Intentionally. So are we loving each other and are we going to love each other generously? And I feel like Life Point Church, we as a spiritual family are good at this. You actually, you guys are good at this. Katie and I, we stepped into Life Point Church last August and 
um, man, we've been blessed from the beginning. Like Katie and I were talking this week, like we are challenged in our, in our, will, like, in our ability to hold on to our own stuff because people here are just giving away so freely. Like we've, we've gotten, I, I haven't even counted, but I've estimated over 30 meals given to us and over the past year. We've been on two separate meal trains, one for when we first moved here and then the second for when our new son, uh, Theodore, was born. And like we've, we've given, given, like the generosity of this church towards my family has been unbelievable. We've received like hundreds of hundreds of dollars in just blessings, like in just gifts from you guys, just to like love us and encourage us and, and to, to let us know that you care for us. Like we have been given so much. You guys have been so generous towards us. People have been generous and we've been working on our home. You guys have been generous and and uh, helping us, well, what, many of you helped me move in to our, our last home. Some of you are going to help me today. God bless you. Uh, <laughs> But many of you also like, Justin Maines, let me borrow a paint sprayer. Like there's, there's, there's been equipment and ladders and nail guns people have been willing to and chose to, to borrow to me. Like I have, my family has been remarkably blessed by the generosity of this church in so many ways. There are many of you individually that you have, you've gone out of your way to bless us even this very week. So I want to say thank you for that. It's like churn the needle a little bit for our family. The church does this, our church does this well. But the question is, is not only will we do that for staff or will we do that for leadership, will we do that for every person here? Will we do that for every person in this room? Even if you're on the fringe, there's a call for us to love each other generously, to love each other generously. So are we going to love each other generously? The second, second part of that first question is, are we going to love each other intentionally? Are we going to love each other intentionally? And this is kind of like a cousin of generosity because you can't be generous without being intentional. But are we going to love each other intentionally? Which is like targeted and purposeful in our love. And I, my parents have been remarkably intentional with me my whole life. Like they're amazing. But I didn't grow up around other people outside my parents, uh, especially in those critical teenage years that really like were intentional with me in a spiritual sense. It wasn't until I met Pastor Drew, I moved here the, the, the summer before my freshman year, where I began to experience what intentional love was from other people outside of my own family. Pastor Drew, the second day, I moved to Ames, Iowa. He picked me up in his car. We literally like shook hands in his car and we drove to what was Lori's Coffee at the time. It doesn't even exist anymore. And it was, I mean, it was awesome. It was my first like big boy hangout with guys. Like I, we did it at 6.30 in the morning. Like it was crazy. It was thunderstorming. I remember the morning so clearly. But Drew bought me a cup of coffee. It was the first cup of coffee I ever drank black. And so I was with Drew. So I wanted to look cool. I sat down and Drew looked at me and he, he just said, he said something so simple, like so easy. He said, hey, bro, what's your story? And I'm going to cry. So, I, you know, like someone wanted to know my story. Like they cared. They wanted to know about my life. The intentionality of someone else expressing that very first moment began to reap a spiritual harvest in my life. Through the years, Pastor Drew has been so intentional, even during my school years. It, it wasn't even like large quantities of time. It's just here and there, like, hey, like, how are you doing? And then actually meaning, how are you doing? Asking me questions, choosing to be interested in my life more than his own. Even after I graduated, we still kept in contact. And I've been so challenged. I've been called in deeper places of purity and responsibility and leadership because of the intentionality of one person. And that is, there's so many of you that have been so intentional. So that's not just Pastor Drew. There's been so many. My life has been changed by the intentional love of other people. 
And I've been trying to do the same, you know, my own, my own life now. But the question for us as a church is, are we going to continue to love each other intentionally? And this doesn't always have to be coffee. It can be. Who's that person you're going to bring to coffee? You're going to ask questions. But who's that person, the lonely person, that God wants to place in your family that you're going to invite over for supper or for a meal so they have a chance to see and get a window into a healthy home? Who's that young man you're going to take ice fishing because they've never hooked a fish in their life? Who's that, who's that young lady who you're going to do crafts with that's on Saturday morning at 8 a.m.? Who are you going to be intentional with? Are we as a church going to continue to be intentional with one another? Are we going to love each other intentionally? The second question I want us to ask ourselves is this, in terms of measuring against Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. It says in, in, in the, the second half, uh, in Hebrews 12, uh, 6, 12, it says that if uh, we will continue to inherit God's promises as those who've gone before us will because of their faith and endurance. And I think that can be tied back to verse 11. We need to love each other with faith and endurance. Are we willing to love each other with faith and endurance? Here's the deal. When you love people, man, it is not easy. It's messy. It's kind of awkward sometimes. And we pray this prayer a lot. Lord, send us the hungry ones. And he will. Man, he absolutely will. But they are weird. Like, like the hungry ones, it's like many of them are normal, but there's also some really weird ones. And if you're the weird ones, you're the ones that just laughed. You know, it's like, <laughs> we love you. But if we want to continue to grow, not grow spiritually dull and different, are we gonna love the weird ones that have hard, like it's hard to have conversations with, that have, have serious life issues that honestly, in some ways we wouldn't trust fully at the outset? Are we gonna continue to love those people with faith and endurance? And the messiness, when you are, you are offended, are you gonna love somebody even though you've been offended, offended by them? I've been offended people, by people in this church. And it, most, like 99% of the time, it's like, they don't even know they offended me. I just need to have an unoffendable heart and forgive and move on. But when you're, when you're offended by somebody, are you, gonna just, are you gonna like disengage and choose to stop loving somebody? Or are you gonna love somebody with faith and endurance? There's a, there's a guy, part of U of M Chi Alpha, University of Minnesota Chi Alpha in the Twin Cities. His name's John Murphy. And I, gave, I asked explicit permission to share the story. Um, he came to, he's, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He doesn't like me saying this, but he like got the highest ACT score I've ever heard of. I, don't, I mean, you can't get higher. I'll just leave it at that. You can't get higher than what he got in ACT. Like ridiculously smart, too smart for his own good. And he came to college at 16 because he was super smart. And he was a part of Chi Alpha. He grew up in a Christian household, didn't really engage in following Jesus very well, but chose to, for whatever reason, decided to be part of Chi Alpha and be part of a small group. And he was in a small group with a guy named uh, Pastor Ryan Coster, who's now the director of Chi Alpha University of Minnesota. And they were just, you know, they were just both students that, I think Ryan might've been an intern, but they're an intern and then a student at the time. And Ryan is just like this charismatic, super easy to love, like easy to have a conversation with, like everyone wants to be around him kind of guy, right? You know those people, you're like, wow, you're way too cool for me, but I want to be with you anyways. Like I want to hang out with you. He's one of those guys. And John, at the age of 16, really kind of wasn't. You know, it's like, and that's not a, that's not a knock on him now because I'll, I'll ch- t- tell the story. But he was, he was kind of a guy who was, was hard to love. He was uncomfortable. He had a lot of social anxieties. He was really difficult to have conversations with. Wouldn't necessarily even look you in the eye. There was a lot of things that John was working through. And he would go to Ryan's small group and for, you know, an hour and a half, Ryan is, you know, Brian prepared this small group material. He was pouring his light out, life out, asking questions. And every week consistently, I think it was for the whole first semester, John would just fall asleep in the corner. 
Like, like just fall asleep in the middle of a small group. And I've had that happen to me. I don't think anyone's falling asleep here right now. But I've had that happen to me and it's like whatever. Usually it's kind of a one-off, like someone's tired. He'd do it every single week. And yet Ryan would continue to love John consistently through it all. John was part of his small group. John became his friend. And so he wanted to love John, even though it was hard, even though it, was, it took endurance, even though it was kind of awkward and the conversation didn't really flow and there wasn't a lot of chemistry. It come to find out, actually, John, the only reason why he slept in a small group was that was like one of the very few places he felt that peace and at rest. And so he could actually sleep. Like he actually like, like at home he couldn't sleep at all. And so he would sleep in a small group. It's just crazy. He was tor- like so tormented. But through, this, through this, uh, this experience with community and specifically this relationship with Ryan, and as Ryan loved him and, and showed him more of who Jesus was and uh, John himself encountered Jesus and received love by others, John began to respond to the love of Jesus and his life began to shift moment by moment, day by day. And I got to meet him two years later and he was still a little awkward then, but he had come leagues from where he was at. And that was, I met him six years ago come leagues from where he was at. He loved Jesus. Uh, he, was, he was learning to have conversations that were normal that didn't involve like all these wild and crazy things. Um, and then even since then, he actually, he's grown and matured so much to a point where he's actually part of Kyle for staff. And he's bringing other people along who are ju- were once just as awkward as him, who once were just as hard to have conversations with as him, bringing them along, loving them with faith and endurance so they can encounter Jesus. Ryan loved John with faith and endurance and John's life was forever changed because of that experience. Through that faith and endurance, John's life was pointed to Jesus and everything changed for him. And John says now, like he learned all of his social skills because he didn't have very many in Chi Alpha. Like Chi Alpha was his training grounds. You know, the age of 16, took him a long time, but he got there. And now he's a dearly loved brother. Like every time I'm around him, I want to go talk to him, have a conversation with him. Like he's one of the funnest people I get to talk to, partially because he's just so brilliant too. He's just amazing. Through faith and endurance, John's life was changed. Are we as a church going to love with faith and endurance, even the people that are hard, even the people that are difficult, even if you were once the one that was difficult, are you gonna continue to love with faith and endurance? I also think that loving with faith and endurance is practiced through the praise of prayer. Yes, we love them by having conversations with them. Yes, we love them by, by inviting them over to supper, even though it's really uncomfortable, or buying them a cup of coffee and there's like zero. It's okay not to have chemistry with anyone. I just want, like, you don't have to like go out to coffee with someone and be like, they're my best friend. That's all right. You know, like, it'll grow. Like, it'll, like, they're just, just be consistent. Just have endurance and have faith. And like, you'll continue, like, your love towards them will change them. They'll, they'll experience something they haven't experienced before. You don't have to have chemistry right away. But besides that, another place where we can, ex- we can express love and faith and endurance is the place of prayer. And if you are unfamiliar with that, if you don't really, like that seems like kind of a weird concept to you, like how do I love people through, through prayer, like with faith and endurance? Come this week, every week or every day from Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m., we'll be gathering here and you can learn and you can observe how to pray with endurance. An hour, uh, if you're Miss Connie Sloan, is like a drop in the bucket. But if you're, if you're me when I was 18 years old, like I could barely breathe a prayer longer than a minute. So if you're, if you're like more like me when I was younger, please come, just observe, be a part of it. And you eventually will grow in that place of prayer, uh, uh, like endurance in the place of prayer. And the reason why loving people through the place of prayer is a thing is because it actually changes people. God actually responds to it. As we continue to, as we like begin to pour out with words, our actual physical words to God, our love for other people, that they would encounter Jesus, that they would have healing in their heart, that they would experience life change through knowing God, he begins to, to soften and begins to respond to that. 
I know that to be true because I've talked about this before, but my own family's spiritual legacy was completely shifted by the prayer of a singular person. My grandfather, grandmother, I've talked about it before. They, they, in their late teenage years, ran from, they grew up kind of in an irreligious household. They ran from the things of God. They scoffed at religion. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They lived a wild life with drugs and alcohol, like the craziest things you could imagine. And yet, every, like, pretty frequently, they would drive down to this little town called Truman, Minnesota, in southwest Minnesota, where my great-great-aunt, Vera, was there. And she wasn't an exceptional person. She wasn't, like, super special. She just loved people super well. And she loved Jesus. And so she would have them over all the time, you know, these wild and crazy hippies, over all the time, make them supper, make them food, desserts, feed them up really well, make sure they had a full tank of gas when they left. And she would always tell them all the time, she would talk to them about Jesus all the time. And she would tell them, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And my grandfather in his late teenage years would scoff and be like, well, that's never gonna happen. I don't want anything to do with that. Yet in their early 20s, my grandfather, grandmother, and like radically, like some supernatural things happened, wild things where they encountered the Lord and their life was forever changed. And now my whole family's spiritual trajectory has changed because of that, those encounters in the early 20s. But if you ask my grandfather today, who's 71, if you ask him today why he why he's brought, was brought into the kingdom, why he now loves Jesus, he will say, it was only because of my praying aunt. It was only because of my praying aunt. He had no other gospel witness. He had no other person in his life that was, was telling about Jesus, that loved him in that way. His aunt, every time she saw him, would say, I'm praying for you. And so to this day, he would say, I've only met Jesus because of my aunt who prayed for me every single day. Are we going to love each other and love our community uh, through the place of prayer and endurance and faith? Are we going to years without seeing a single change, pray for someone by name? Are we going through years, without, or through years without, without seeing much change at all? Pray for our community in faith, knowing what God can do. Are we going to love each other in the place of prayer with endurance and faith? And in that verse 12, this is my last question, and then we'll, we'll close. It says, if we do those things, then we will be like those who inherit the promises of God through faith and endurance. Then we'd be like those who inherit the promises of God through faith and endurance. So what are the promises of God? Because I certainly want to inherit them. There are many, and I'm just gonna list a few that imply to here now. There's also many eternal ones too. But some of the promises that we will inherit, salvation, addiction being broken, sin being broken, families being restored, prodigal children coming home, bodies being healed, new friends being given to us that don't yet know Jesus, and our city being changed. So the question I want us to ask ourselves is, will we be the ones who inherit the promises of God? Will we, LifePoint Church, our spiritual family, be the ones who inherit the promises of God? Because here's the deal. Not everyone does. Not every church does. My dad was a part of a church in the suburbs of Minneapolis in the early 90s. He was a part-time youth pastor. And he, uh, Riley's the part-time youth pastor wherever he's at. I mean, you don't think you get paid much. Uh, my dad got paid $50 a month. And it was like very little. He poured his heart and soul. He actually just used the $50 a month to buy them pizza. That's what he would usually do. And like everything my parents touched, it like blossomed. God blessed. This youth group was growing. People were coming to know Jesus. It was amazing. And the church they were a part of, it was, it was okay. You know, like wasn't anything crazy happening in the adult congregation. It was pretty good. Um, but while my parents were attending there, obviously, because they were part of the church, we had a family members that came to be a part of the church as well because my parents were there. And they attended for a while and it was, it was a good thing. Like we had a good thing going there. And then, and then 
my parents and then my, and my family members attended the annual business meeting. And uh, if any of you know about annual business meetings, they are notoriously full of strife, uh, full of disunity and division, like across the church, you know, like the capital C church in the United States. They're, they're so divisive. That's why we don't even call it the business meeting anymore. We call it the family meeting because we want to get as far away from that as possible. So my parents and my, my family members went to this business meeting where they, they exactly the classic, no one got punched, that's good. But the classic thing happened. People began to get angry. They began to yell. They began to scream. They began to get like really upset and vile with one another. And, and why? Why were they getting so upset? Why was this place so full of conflict? Was it because there was, you know, a doctrinal dispute and they, didn't, they couldn't agree on what was sin was and what salvation was? No. Was it because there was like a moral failing in leadership or, or in the, the pastoral staff? No. They were yelling and screaming because they were trying to decide what type of dishwasher to put in their church kitchen. And I know it sounds, that sounds really funny, but it had some drastic consequences. My family members, not my parents, my family members left the church and didn't go back to the Capital C Church for decades. They, they got ran out. Not everyone inherits the promises of God. Not every community does. And the question is, will LifePoint Church be, one, be the ones that inherit the promises of God? Will we be the people through faith and endurance and loving each other and inherit the promises of God? And I believe we're beginning to start to see that happen. And the, the, the goal here is not a condemnation for any of you because we're doing really well. I, I agree with verse 10 that like, way to go. God will reward you. We need to keep on going. One of, the, one of the ways and one of the promises I've been, been able to watch unfold before my eyes uh, is, in, is in the life of a, of, a, of a Chi Alpha student, one of our friends. He's not here this morning, but I asked if it was okay to share a story. Uh, his, his name's Jordan. Jordan's a very fun guy. I love him very dearly. Um, when, I, when I first met him, it was the fall of 2020. But he grew up in a, a Catholic, half Catholic, half Jewish household and was then thus be, uh, raised to be irreligious. So he came to, church, came, to Kyle, uh, came to Iowa State with like no church background. Like he's, these are the people that we're praying for, right? Like someone like Jordan is the person that we're praying for, that they would come and experience the love of Jesus. And so a couple years into his college career, Jordan was invited to Chi Alpha and at a brotherhood night, he gave his heart to the Lord. And I, I don't even know if many people knew that that was like the specific night he gave his heart to Jesus, the fall of 2019. But then he left for eight months. He went on a co-op and it wasn't easy for him. He still claimed the faith. And I got to hand it to you, man. That guy is persistent because I would have I totally thought he would have fallen away in that time period. So for eight months, he was away during the middle of COVID. And he came back in the fall of, 20, fall of 2020. And um, he hadn't grown much. He was still like a very, very baby Christian, but wanted to step intentionally into community. He like made this intentional step to like, I want to be a part of what is happening in Chi Alpha. And so he began to be part of a small group. He actually hosted it that year, uh, every single week. Um, and he began to experience the love of community in a pretty profound way. And it wasn't like all tied to, a I mean, it might've been in his mind, but it wasn't all tied to a specific moment. Over an entire year and a half since then, he's experienced the love of community with faith and endurance week after week, day after day. And Jordan's heart has been pointed more to Jesus because of that. Jordan's life has been changed dramatically. Who he was when I met in, uh, in August of 2020 is not who he is today at all. He's been made more and more like Jesus because of the community that he's been a part of, because of the love he's been able to experience. And now he himself is stepping to this place of loving others. He himself is, is, is desiring to be generous. He like, he's known for bringing food places and he makes far, at least 
normally. He makes far too much. You know, like he, he just brings far too much food. He's known for wanting to get to like get community together. He did a, 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 a Friendsgiving the Friday before Thanksgiving that had nothing to do with pastoral, like Chi Alpha staff at all. He did it by himself and it got other people involved. He's been starting to love others well with faith and endurance and community too. He'll talk to new people. He'll invite them in. He'll love people really well. He, who is now a friend, is part of the promises that we can get to inherit. Jordan is a dearly loved brother and dearly loved friend. And his life is a promise that we can inherit. And so the question I have for LifePoint Church is, will we be the ones that will inherit the promises of God? Will we be the ones who inherit the new friends and the new family members being brought into the kingdom? Will we be the ones to see the bodies, bodies being healed, salvations come, prodigal sons and daughters returning home? Or will we take the common path and slip into spiritual apathy and decay? So this morning, I want us to, I'm gonna close by reminding us of the new commandment that Jesus gave us in the book of John. It says, the new commandment I gave to you to love one another just as I have loved you. We love because Jesus loved us first. Jesus loved us first. The only way that love between you and I and each other can be po like possible, because like this room, we're such an eclectic ragtag bunch. Like, we're, like there's nothing that binds us together, nothing. Except for we live in a similar geographic location and we love Jesus. And so we love each other because Jesus first loved us. And Jesus loved us perfectly well. Jesus loved us in the way that he lived his life. He decided to leave heaven, leave life with the Father, leave equality with God, being fully spirit to be being fully man. So that he could reconcile us back to God. He lived life amongst us for 33 years. As tired as I am today, I'm sure he was far more tired than, than that. And then at 33, roughly 33 years old, he decided to lay his life down, which was perfect, that he lived sinless. Lay it down on a cross, suffered a brutal death for you and I as an act of love towards us. It says that it was for the joy, which was us, set before him, he endured. The, the, in, in Hebrews 6, 10 through 12, this faith and endurance, Jesus had so much of it. He endured the cross for you and I. And three days later, he was raised from the grave and invited us into life with him, allowing this love that we can experience to be possible. We love because he first loved us. We're called to love one another just as he loved us first. So this morning, if there's anyone in here uh, and you wanna give your life to Jesus, I wanna give you an opportunity to do so. Um, this, this message of Jesus and changing your life and saving your life is very simple. He came, died for you, rose again, and invited you into life with him. He set you free. He has the ability to set you free from your sin. He has the ability to heal your heart from the wounds that you never even thought you knew. So this morning, if there's anyone in here that wants to give their life to Jesus, would you raise your hand? Is anyone in here that wants to respond just by raising their hand? And I wanna pray for you. Is there anyone in here? Awesome. Well, if you're joining us online, there's gonna be a number that pops up on the bottom of the part of the screen. And if you wanna respond to Jesus and give your life to him this morning, you can text that number. But I'm gonna pray for um, anyone who responded, and even if you didn't raise your hand, if you, if you want to respond to Jesus this morning, pray like this. Jesus, I thank you that you love me first. You were the one who loved me first. You took the first step towards me. And so this morning, I take a step towards you. I surrender my life to you. I declare that you are Lord in my life. I believe that you've, you've died for my sins and now, that I am, and now that I am forgiven of those sins because of your perfect blood that washes me clean. And Jesus, I believe that you've been raised from the grave. 
and that through that I now have eternal life because of you. I worship you as King. I worship you as Lord and I give my life to you here and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys would stand with me, I wanna, I wanna pray this over us. This was not meant to be a message of condemnation, but a call to keep on moving, to love one another with faith and endurance so that we can be the ones who inherit the promises of God. I don't wanna walk away when we eventually move away 45, 50 years. Maybe we'll die in names, that would be great. When we die on my deathbed in Ames, thinking about life when we once had it. We had a moment in 2022 and we let decay and division seep in. May we, we be, may we be the ones that inherit the promises of God. May we be the ones who inherit the new friends and the new family, that inherit the salvation that God has for us and inherit the move of God that he's laying the works for right now. May we be the ones that take the uncommon path. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this amazing body, for this amazing group of believers, this family that you've placed me in. Lord, I've been so blessed by these people. I've been so taken care of by these people, loved so well. So Lord, I pray that you bless them, just like in Hebrews 6.10, that you, is, you have seen their works and you, they will be rewarded for it. Would you bless them, Lord? Bless them today. Bless them in year 2022. Give them grace, more grace than they ever thought they was possible in their life. Lord, as they come upon the difficulties of life, because of their past love, would they be able to experience grace, the wind at their back, the very presence of God going before them this whole year. But Lord, we also ask that we would be the ones that continue to love each other as long as life lasts. God, will we be able to love with faith and endurance? God, may we be the ones that inherit the promises of God. Your promises are always good. And you're always good to uphold your end of the bargain. And so this morning, we, we play our very small part, the very small part that you ask us to play. And we say yes to loving others. Lord, I pray that LifePoint Church would be the most loving church that anyone has ever stepped into. You. Lord, that the love that is exuded in this room and from people's lives would physically begin to shift people's mentalities when they step into this place. That when people are invited into, into my, my friends' homes, Lord, that they would feel the presence of God and the love of that family and the love of that home so distinctly that, that depression be lifted and that joy would fill people's hearts. Lord, that when people People come into this place, this physical sanctuary, that love of, of between one another would begin to shift how they view God, that they actually the truth of God would be unveiled to them because that's how you want to show people's love for them is how we love others. And so God, will we love each other well? God, would we, be, would we be a church that continues to love each other well? I pray against spiritual decay. I pray against division. I pray against apathy. I pray against lack of patience and lack of endurance. God, we want to have endurance. Develop this strong character of endurance in us, Lord. As, as hard as it may be, as painful as it may be, we want it. God, give us someone to love that's uncomfortable. God, give us someone to love that's not easy, but remarkably simple. Lord, I thank you for my friends and that they are going to inherit the promises of God. Would you bless them today? In Jesus' name. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.